0: Yo, this is Pastor Tito here, welcoming you to another episode of my Revolutionary Podcast, where I'm here to help you find faith in Christ and how to follow through with your life. And today, we're wrapping up a series called Grounding, as we've been examining the heart, well, the foundation of our lives, the foundation of our heart, the foundation of our faith, making sure that we remember who God is and what He has done for us. And what we're going to examine today is the fact that our God saved us from something and saved us for something. And if you don't know what that is, here we go. We're going to lean into some of those promises right now. We're going to lean into some of those promises right now. The promises that God has declared and spoken out, they're all out there, but you know, we got to claim them, right? It's just the same thing. You can go to a restaurant, right? You can go to a buffet. I don't know if everybody has a favorite buffet online. Let me know. What's your favorite buffet? All right. Anybody here? Shout out your favorite buffet. Sweet tomatoes. Oh, I'm so sad that they got rid of the one. Oh, yeah. Sweet tomatoes. I like sweet tomatoes. I like sweet tomatoes. I uh, say another one. You're, uh, he, okay. Jimmy is offering. He says his house is a constant buffet every single day. So uh, I guess that's where we're heading next time. So Monica, congratulations. You just uh, Jimmy, you played yourself. And so, um, <laughs> huh? Did I hear another one? Wee, that was a good one too. Online, I'm gonna read y'all's later. And so listen, those buffets, right? You can go, you pay the price of admission, you sit down, but what does a waitress eventually tell you? Okay, you can get your plate and go feed just to serve yourself, right? When you go to a buffet, you don't, you know, you don't ask for things, right? You gotta go get it. You gotta go get it. Same thing, guys. Listen, Jesus paid the price. He paid the price on the cross for entrance into his presence. But we gotta get our little plate out. And we got to go be able to claim the promises that he's laid out all before us. And so that's what we got to do, and that's what we got to do right now, all right? It's to claim the promises that God has given. So today we are going to wrap up a series that we've been doing. If you've been following the last couple of weeks with us, or really month, it's crazy how, how time has flown by. We've been doing a series called Grounding. And grounding is all focused on who God is. And really we've been using grounding as another way of saying uh, repentance, Right? And you know, this is some, I know that's a weird one. Some of y'all just showed up and we're like, wait, what's going on? Listen, repentance is not a repeated apology. I want to make sure you understand that. Repenting is not a repeated apology to God. It's not, oops, I did it again. All right. That's not one of those. Okay. Now some of y'all are gonna be singing that song for the next like five minutes, so I'm sorry. All right, but that's not what repentance is. Repentance is what we've been talking about all day today. It's really remembering. When you're a believer in Christ Jesus and you, repenting is when you have realized that a thought or an action is contrary to what you know or believe. And so, oh yeah, that's right, my bad God, redirecting. That's what repentance is. It's constant adjusting in order to draw closer and closer to God. That is what we're called to do. And so repenting is important because and grounding is really the word we've been using on because repenting is just being re-grounded in who we are, in being confident in Christ, being sure of what he has said and who he is, right? So that we can have that sense of balance and strength and receive that unshakable hope that we've been talking about this whole time. But I want you guys to understand that grounding or really repenting is really repositioning yourself consistently. So that you can put yourself in position to be changed. That's it. So that God can do a work in you. That's what that is. That's what repentance is. It is putting us more and more in the hands of our God. So that he can do the things that, guys, you want him to do. I'm going to be real. Okay. God, I know sometimes like, oh, I don't want God to change me. I like who I am. Okay. Yes. God likes, you know, there's elements of who you are that are pretty nice. That's nice. But let's just be real. The thing that God wants to do in our life is really what you want to be done. You just don't know it. Maybe you're just confused, but it is. And so, guys, but what's important, though, is I want you guys to understand this. As we wrap up this series and as we're talking about this repositioning ourselves to be changed, let's be real. There are some things that we do to change things, right? I'm, there's things that you guys, have, some of you, have done that have changed. You've changed yourself physically because you started doing something, Right? You change yourself physically. Your relationships change because you started doing something. Your overall life changed because you started doing something. But, but, but can we be real? Before you ever started to do something to change, I guarantee you, something happened to you first. Think about that. Something happened to you that then caused you and motivated you and encouraged you to get over the hump and actually do what you needed to do in order to change. Something happened to you. Before, before you started eating right and getting healthy, something happened to you or something happened to someone you love that made you realize, whoa, I don't want that to be me. Or you just realize, uh-oh, if I don't change, things, I'm not going to live that much longer, or whatever, right? Because you got that, things like that happen. Something happens to you before you start to do anything. Listen, we've all had those moments that something or that someone that we've encountered, That has marked you, and because something happened to you, you began to do something differently. Look, the first day that I saw Dan Marino throw a football, I knew I was going to be a Miami Dolphins fan for the rest of my life. I'm just being real. That marked me, okay? That marked me. The first day I met my wife when we met at 15 on a blind date, uh, that girl marked me. I'm like, uh... Yeah, y'all, I'm done. This one. I want this one. Okay, this one. This is the one I want. This one. All right? That marked me, right? And then there's things that happen, right? People that come into our lives or moments like becoming a dad has changed me, right? It, it has marked me. My boys mark me on a positive, right? There's things that we do, all those things. But that's the thing I want you guys to realize that before we change, and I guarantee you there's things in your life that you want to change, and you're frustrated, because, oh, I just, I just can't seem to or whatever, right? You, you, maybe you're good for like three days and you're on a streak and then you're like, ah, and then you're back to whatever. But see, when the real change sticks, it's because something really hit you, something marked you, something changed you. And guys, listen, that's how it works with God. It works the same way. That the very change that you and I are seeking for, trying for, looking for, is not something that we can do for God. It is something that only God can do to us first. And when God does it in us first, then we are able to then do the very things that we want to do. And so we're looking at Ephesians chapter 2. We're gonna look at 10 verses this morning. All right, so online, I got you. If you don't got your Bibles, everybody here, the first time, maybe you forgot yours. You know, I got you. We're gonna get it on the screen. But we're gonna look at these 10 verses and we're going to reflect and remember because what Paul was trying to do to this church, right? The book of Ephesians is written to a church in Ephesus, that's the city, and he spends the first chapter trying to remind them about who God is. That's what we've been talking about, even singing about this morning, remembering who he is, remembering what he's done, and then the ramifications of that, all right? We got it, because there's so many things, guys, there's so many things in this world, your your life, and, and things that are happening, right? Well, we got, you know, your boss, your family, like things that you want to, you know, Things, your to-do list is insane. I get it. And I I feel like I'm going to give you something else to do, but it's the one thing that actually impacts all the other things on your to-do list. But this is important because we see so many things out in the world. We want to see change. We want to be changed. Well, how do we do that? Well, let's read Ephesians 2. We're going to read all 10 verses together. And then we're going to see what God has to say. So number one, we're going to start here. Now, on verse one, he says, and you were. So it's a continuation of. He's talking about who God is. And then he comes all the way back to who we are, and he's also... Oh, and by the way, let's not forget this. Here we go. He says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously lived according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the disobedient, or in the sons of disobedience, the children of disobedience. We too, Paul's including himself, All previously lived among them in our fleshy desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And we were by nature children under wrath, as the others were also. But God, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ. Even though we were dead in trespasses... You are saved by grace, for he has raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages, in the future, in the time, he might display the immeasurable riches of that grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from uh, this is not from yourself. You couldn't do this. It is God's gift, not from a work, not from your efforts, so that you can boast, so that you can be proud of. And look what I did. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ regularly. Number one, now I'm going to talk to believers in Christ Jesus, but at the same time, if you've never put your faith in Christ, uh, you fall into this category. All right? This is not a past tense if I'm describing you. This is a present tense. And it's a present tense description. It's not a pretty one. All right, you look pretty though, but the situation's a little different. So here we go. Look, here's what happened. Notice that at the very beginning, he's saying, you got to remember who you once were. As Christians, that is one of the most important things that we have to hold on to. Who were we without Jesus before we ever put our trust and confidence in him? What was our life? What was our condition before that? Before we confessed, what was our condition? And he's being, I mean, blatant, okay? Listen, you guys weren't bad. I mean, you guys just weren't disobedient. You guys just weren't deceived, right? You just believed in the false. You were dead. Dead in your sin. Dead and dying. That is who you were. You were hopeless, helpless. You were dead, all right? This is, again, imagine someone you know, imagine okay you're dead i don't have to mess with that anymore let's just be real you're dead okay there's no other way of just better describing that that is who you were before you gave your life to jesus you weren't just deceived you weren't just disobedient you weren't just a bad boy you were dead and you were hopeless and helpless and notice the, even the word that he used he said listen you were dead in your sins not by error you didn't just you know were born into this world and then you messed up once, and then, oh, psh, default, now you're dead, okay? That's not what happened. You and I were not dead in our sins because of error. We were dead because that was our nature. That was who we were. Guys, we weren't, and this, I want you guys to understand this, because even in our world today, there's this philosophy, there's this understanding that humans are just naturally, inherently good. And it is the society around us, it's the circumstances outside of us that then causes us to become bad. And so that is why you see so much efforts. I mean, hopefully, I'm gonna like, you know, you can be like, oh, right. Okay. Well, this is why there is so much efforts to fix systems, fix broken systems, fix this and that, because people believe. There's an, a, a philosophy, and ideology, and it's really a theology. It's an understanding of God and, or a lack of understanding of God that they'd say, if we fix everything on the outside, we'll fix people on the inside. That's what we need to do. We just need to create better laws. We just need to do—and which I'm, I'm not saying that we don't do those things. No, as Christians, it's not an either-or. It's an and, Okay. It's not all of that, so I'm not saying that. But this is why people say, oh, we got to fix all this. If we do that, then we'll do it. No, man, it's like you trying to clean your house by painting the outside of your house. All right? Just because you put a brand new paint job on the outside of the house do not mean that you can't clean the inside. You feel me on that? That's what That's what we're talking about. We're just putting brand new paint on the outside and still frustrated why the inside looks dirty. Because this is, guys, we are not... we are not disobedient we the world is not the way it is because it is by error because people are messing up which by the way that's let's just take that to the logical you know logical sequence if people are good and the only reason why people are bad is because of the system and society who makes up society you guys are smart people do right and so if society is what makes people bad then what makes society people do and so, see, there we go. It is not, the problem is not out there. The, the reason why there's a problem outside is because there's a problem inside. We got bad fruit growing on a tree because the roots are, are corrupted, because the roots are rotten. This is what it is. This is why people can create laws all they want, but it's just going to create more laws with loopholes because there's a hole in our heart. That's why. And it never gets better. And it gets frustrating. I know, and guys, I, I know. Even look, even look this week. I mean, you, example after example, especially when you look in the world. I mean, maybe some of you guys, I, I actually had a conversation with someone and they were saying, right, he was like saying, listen, um, I could care less about what's happening out there because... I'm trying to catch up with my own life. I was like, forget that. Forget what's happening in the news. Forget what's happening over here. Not that it doesn't matter. It's just like, bro, I'm behind, okay? I'm drowning over here too. And so I, I, I get that. So, but when it comes to this or when we look out in the world and, and you see those hashtags, stop hate, right? And you see those hashtags that just say, stop this. We need to stop that. Stop that. It's like me looking at this microphone and saying, stop being a microphone. Stop being a microphone. Look at this. Okay. Um, You can't just go up to an orange tree and tell it to stop producing oranges. Right? Why is it it such a problem that we see these things in the world and we want it to change, but things don't change, and we go, oh, this is so frustrating. Why? Because we are trying to, because we can't fix the outside. It's not outside in. It's inside out. And this is what God does. This is what, he's, this is what he does. And the reason why you and I can't stop the hate is because we can't stop loving darkness. That's the problem. Because too many people, Jesus himself said it. And if you all remember a couple weeks ago, we, we talked about John 3, not 16, John 3, it was later. He said, this is the judgment that light has entered the world. But yet people love darkness and they hate the light. That's why people can't stop hating, because they can't stop hating the light. And it's the light that it, that illuminates us. It's the light that changes us. And this is not by error. It is by what? This is nature. This is who we are. This is how we are all born this way. That's why Jesus himself says, this is why you need to be born again. Because we're all born in this condition. We're all born in this nature. And we need to be able to be, we need to let this die and be raised to a new life. Raised to a new nature. That is why Jesus' life, death, and resurrection matter so much. Because we're all dead in our current conditions. We're all dead. Okay? In the same way, I know you've had a parent bust you on something. I'm like, oh, you're dead. You're dead. Right? That happened to me the other day, remember? So we were going, we were all driving uber eating right and uh, the one of my boys steps outside and he needed to do something and so he, he we were you know we do this every once in a while so he stepped outside he had to go get something and and oh my gosh i thought i thought the worst happened because see our windows were down and we're going there and we're doing something and then all of a sudden all i know is that my kid is outside he's doing something and then out of nowhere i'm in my car and i'm wet Okay. Water is shooting inside of the open window into the car. And I thought he did something. And before I looked up, I'm like, oh, he's dead. He's dead. He's dead. What the, there's water entering the car. What is going on? What did he do? I'm going to kill him. All right. I know we've, we've all said those phrases before. And you know, I wouldn't do it, buddy. All right. I love you. All right. But I, th- you know, that phrase, like right? When somebody does something wrong, I'm like, oh my gosh, my mom's going to kill me. Dad's going to kill me, right? Right? I'm dead. I'm dead. Yep. Same thing. Because of our nature. When it comes to God, guys, we're dead. That is what it is. That is our nature. And do you guys even catch the words that he used? Before, let let me just kind of bust another myth that the world puts out there. Oh, we're all children of God. We're all children of God. Yes and no. Yes and no. Because, yes, we all come from God. We all come from God and that God has made humanity and He is father. All right? But you can't claim God, the living God, as your father when the when you act like your daddy, the devil. You can't do that. Okay? You can't claim Jesus. You can't claim can't, can't, can't you can't claim, I can't even say it. You can't claim God as your father when you're acting like if the devil's your daddy. Can't do it. And so, guys, and the only reason you and I can ever claim that God is our Father is when our nature is changed. Because by nature, we are enemies of God. By nature, we are not even a friend of God. But it is through Christ and confession and Jesus alone that he turns us from enemy to not only friend, to son and daughter, what we can claim as, as our Father. That is what he does. He does that. You can't earn that. You can't make that happen on your own. That's what Paul was saying. This is a gift. It is by grace that God has transformed us. Which, by the way, that's the other one. He says, guys, remember who you used to be. Remember your life without Jesus. And that's an important, sometimes that's very humbling for a lot of us. We can't forget that. Who were we before Christ? Who were we? But then, but remember what he did. Some of the two Best words in the Bible are what you just read in Ephesians chapter 2. When he said, this is who we were, but God. See, but what? But then remember what you, oh, no. But then, no, not you. Remember he, no. But who? But God did something. Because he did something, now we are made different in order to make a difference. It's him. He's the instigator. He's the one who started it all. That's the key one. The most two beautiful words in the scriptures are, but God. God. By the way, that's how you tell your testimony. Guys, listen, this is who I was before God. This is who I was before I gave my life to Jesus. I was a this. I was a that. This is what I was. But God did something. That's how you give a testimony. That is how you give a witness to Christ. It is that easy, guys. It is that easy to say who you used to be. But God then did something. And that is what Paul is reminding them that we need to understand and remember. All right? That is the most important thing. But God, because of what he did, now we are raised to new life. And that new life comes with a new nature. It is not that other nature that we had. We have a new nature. We have a new father. Now we have new desires. Did you guys catch what he was saying before? Remember who you used to be. You thought you were free. You thought he was describing how dead we were. And that you, all you lived by was in the desires of your flesh, which is just everything in you that does not and rejects everything that God is and wants. And he says you carried out, I I love even this phrase, when he said that you previously lived among them in the flesh, carrying out the inclinations. Guys, I want you to know, when you, before Christ, you were carrying out orders. You were carrying out orders from your flesh, and these were demonic orders. You thought you were just living your life and doing things. No. See, this is what it means when it was to be a slave to our sin. I know you guys know know you guys know what I'm talking about. Where you get to this place and you're like, I know I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And you find yourself doing it. And you find yourself doing it again. And you don't want to, and you do it again. And then you come to a point, you know what, but actually I kind of like it now. And now you're in trouble. See, guys, that's what we were. We were slaves to sin, but God made it different. And this is the important thing, guys. Those two words, but God, are something talking about take courage, right? We were singing it earlier today. This is something you need to remember. Because how many times do we use the word but and then follow it with an excuse? Huh? I was like, well, yeah, I, I know I should do this, and I know I need to be, and I know, I know, I know, but I just, but I, and then it follows with some pathetic excuse, right, or just something of some reason of why you can't do it. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, and then that's when we need to start using that phrase differently, it was like, uh, yeah, but God. Not but you, but God. I know I messed up. I know I did this. I know, I know. I was like, uh, uh, uh. but God died for you and covered that sin. You're good. Keep pressing in. Give it to him. Move forward. So let's not use those excuses. Let, don't let use but with an excuse. Use but with an exclamation point. But with a praise point at the end of that. Because of my God. But he did this. And things are now different. And so look what Paul is now leading them all through. Remember who you used to be. Remember what God did, and now remember who you are. Remember now who you are because of what Jesus did, and who are we? Guys, he said it. We are his workmanship in Christ Jesus. This is by, when he says this is by grace, this is a gift of God, meaning it is all him in you. You're just allowing him to do it. You're opening the door so he can do it, but you are his workmanship. You know what that means? That Greek word is the same word for a poem. Anybody ever try to Who got game? Let me ask. I want to know who got game in the house, all right? Who got game and you ever try to write a poem, you know, but write that poem to a female, right? Anybody got game? Anybody got game? Nobody? Must have done something else then. Okay. All right. Anybody like to write, though? Anybody ever try to write a poem on purpose? That's hard, right? Everybody try to write a poem? It's difficult because writing a poem isn't just, you know, throwing things, even though there are some weird things. I'm like, wait, that's a poem? That's just words, but whatever. And so, but you know, like to write a poem, it's you're not just throwing any words. What are you doing? You got to find the right word with the right rhythm, right? With, with the right, that, that not only captures what you want to say, but it comes off in a way that is engaging and, and flowy and the articulations of the I's and the vowels and the O's and all that just flows, right? It, it, it's not easy. You got to be particular. That's the word that Paul uses. You and I are God's art piece. You and I are his poem, that he has taken those things that don't rhyme, and he's making it rhyme. He has given us those things that are out of beat, out of sync, out of rhythm. He's making it now. He's remixing our lives. That's what he's doing when he says you are his workmanship, meaning God is the one that is at work in you. He's at work in you. He got you like one big lump of clay, and he's, all right, like ghost, all right, doing that, right? That's for all my, my that's, that's an old school one for y'all. There it is. So he's messing with you, clean, you know, removing that clay, shaping, molding. That's who you are. You are his block of wood that's just nothing and formless Yeah, he's chipping away. And he's creating and shaping the very thing that you want to be that you can't do to yourself. You are his poem that he's working on. You are his song that he's writing. You are his artwork that is, that you are. that's what he's doing. He is creating, doing something in you. You are his workmanship. You are his masterpiece in the making. I'm going to make sure that last one is the key one. Because look, you and I, you and I, you know, things are a little messy. Things like, God, I don't get it. Or this, this kind of looks a little weird. or What's that over there? What's this here? You're his masterpiece in the making. Sometimes you and I can mess things up, right? Sometimes you and I can want to do God's work for him. Instead of letting him work, you want to do it. And then you kind of, uh uh-oh, right? It's one of those things. You mess it up. That's where repentance comes in. Repentance is, all right, God, I went too far. I messed this part up. And he's so good, like a good artist. I've seen this. I've seen people do, not advocating tattoos, but I'm just saying, I've seen people like get, like, oh my gosh, they get that tattoo that they regret. You know, like the one that still doesn't get me. When people get victory tattoos of your team before they win, What were you drinking or doing right before? Because that doesn't make sense, right? How are you in that bold of a faith going to put a massive tattoo on your body that says world champions and you lose the game right after? Now you got that on your back, right? What are you doing? But then I've seen these artists that they're so good, right? Or that one person like, oh my gosh, he's the love of my life and you get that tattoo on your shoulder. And then like two weeks later, ah, some bum. But then there he is on your shoulder, right? Or whatever. And so what are you going to do? Listen, a good artist knows, can take, a good tattoo artist, I've seen it, can take those ugly reminders and do something beautiful and turn it in the sense that you don't even see it there anymore. You don't even see it there anymore. And it becomes something else beautiful. Guys, that is what Jesus does. When we say, God, look what happened, look what that person did to me. Or or, this is what I did and the consequences I'm still struggling with. Or this is life that has happened. This happened to me. And here I am, God, and he was like, I got you, I got you, I got you and he can work in us in a way that you don't even he just it's like it's erased it's covered and it's covered by his blood and it's like it wasn't there and that's what thats what god does that's what his workmanship is that's why it's so important for us that as christians as followers as we're walking with christ every time we see something out of balance out of whack we come to him in repentance so that he can fix that so he remixes that so he works on us you and i are his masterpiece in the making, when we call on him, when we follow him, when we surrender ourselves to him. But I but I love this thing though. You got I want you to just to pause and reflect on this for a minute. See, all right, let, let's just use artwork, okay? I'm not that guy, okay? Have you ever seen those people that can go to a, you know, they just look and just stare at something, right? And they just stare for like 20 minutes. Some of y'all, I'm like, ew, but I do that. Oh my gosh, don't I'm not you're feeling attacked. I know, but stop. Listen. I'm just telling you that's not me. So I'll look at something and be like, really? This is, that's art, okay? I know some of you guys do it with music, right? are like, oh, my gosh, look at this. I, I love jazz, all right? That's like, you know, nails on a chalkboard to my wife. She hates it, all right? She's like, this is art. This is a mess. Seriously. I'm like, I can do that in two seconds. A cat can play that. No, no, no. You don't understand, right, Elias? You don't understand, right? That's art. That's art. But for some people, uh, they don't get it, right? And, but here's what's amazing, guys, is I have seen some beautiful pictures, and they sell for like 20 bucks. And then I've seen something that I swear the guy was either in his sleep, his eyes were closed, and he must have spun around for like 60 seconds, did something, and then it's worth a million dollars, right? Have you ever seen one of those things? Like, this is a million bucks? I need to rethink my career choice then. Oh, my gosh, what am I doing with myself? This is worth a million dollars. What is the difference between that weird painting that's worth a million dollars and something beautiful that's worth 20 bucks? What's the difference? The artist. It's who drew it. It's who drew it. Because this person drew something, because it's this person, it's worth more. The painting does not have inerrant value. The ugly painting looks like a mess, Right? Or, or is that that song that just sounds like chaos, but it's, it's some amazing artist, it's a legend who did it, right? If it's valuable because of the person, see, it doesn't matter if you're that mess, if it doesn't look like somebody else, if it doesn't look as pretty or as this or whatever, as all put together as someone else, your value comes from the artist that is at work in your life. That's what he does. And do you notice, too, this is kind of crazy. I think this works with musicians, too, Elias, right? And it works with artists, too, where how many times does an artist get discovered after they die? You ever think about that? A lot of times, an artist really hits this insane level of fame after death. While they're alive, they're kind of underappreciated. Like, you don't really see it. You don't really take them for what they are. That 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 are that artist that author, but then it's like when they pass away, it's like they become discovered and they hit this astronomical level, right? Until they are dead, that's then a lot of times people get discovered. Um, what happened to Christ? Christ died, right? Christ died, and because of his death. He has been known far more than any other artist that ever lived. I mean, Kanye is Kanye. Kanye says, I'm the greatest artist that ever lived. Nah, man, it's Jesus himself, bro. I'm sorry. You may be second. But Jesus, he is the greatest artist that has ever lived. It is Christ. And he is still at work in this world. Even though we might mess it up and scribble out of the lines, he knows how to bring it all together. And that is what he's at work doing. This is why when we get to heaven, when you put your trust and confidence in Christ, we're going to look at the final piece and we're going to be like, oh my, that's what he's been doing? Oh my gosh. That is why heaven is going to be an insane party when the whole picture comes together. Because God is at work. He's at work in those who invite him to. That's the key yo." to those who invite him to work. And when he does, just like any good artist, right, what, what does a good artist do? They have a style, right? If, if you're a painter, what do, what do people do? Put that little signature on the corner, right? I know I'm not the only one who finds Bob Ross satisfying, right? And he goes, let's put the little happy tree over here, happy tree next to a, a little fluffy cloud, right? Right here. Oh, and then before we leave, let's just... And he puts his little signature, on the painting that signature says i did that right if you listen to musicians long enough you can tell musicians have a style that they don't have they have an artistic musical signature that you can hear just two chords and be like oh i know who that is by the way they sing i know who that is artists have a style in the way they do things and i mean the authors have a style in their writing that comes out in the way that they do all that they do listen god is an artist And the Holy Spirit is his signature in your life. The Holy Spirit is the seal. And God is such an artist that he, man, I mean, his style comes out a little different in you, a little different in you, a little different in me, a little different in you. Kind of has these little different flavors, but all together, all together, we see that masterpiece. It is him. He puts that value in us when we invite him, when we surrender to him. And guys, this is the thing that I wanna, now as we focus on. Remembering what, who we were before Christ, who we were before, what did he do, who are we now, and then now what are we called to do because of what God has done. What are we called to do? And this is the thing I want you guys to remember because we always use Jesus as our Savior, right? He saves us. He saves us from something and for something. Jesus saves us from sin and death from eternal damnation, from the wrath that we store up for ourselves. In fact, John, when we read later, John 3, not 19, not 16, but John 3, the, uh, the John the Baptist says that the one who believes in the son has eternal life, but the one who rejects the son will not see life. Instead, the wrath of God remains. Do you hear the word remains? Because that is your default. That is your nature. The wrath of God remains on you until you ret- return. Repent to God and God removes it because Christ took the wrath on himself on the cross. That's what we celebrate on Easter every single time is what happened to him. We are saved from that. We are not saved by our good works. We are saved then now for good works. That's the key one. We are saved from something, but we are also say saved for something. And it's not our efforts. No, we are saved for something. That's what he says. God is at work in you. You are his workmanship in Christ Jesus. And then look what he says. Created in Christ for good works. God has done. He, he's not, you are not a painting that he's, that's going to stick in his closet. You are a painting that he wants to put on display. You're not a song that he's working on that only he knows that he's going to play in his basement. No, he wants to put you out on the radio. Like, you feel me? He wants to put you out there. Not so people can see how awesome you are, but so people through you can see that there is none other than our God. Through you. That's what we are called to do, guys, because if God is working in you, then that needs to work in and out. It comes from top down, inside out. From God through, uh, through us. That is what we are called to do, those good works. Now, let me tell you, there's a specific one that we ain't got time for, and these specific works, listen, they're they're custom to each and every one of you. God has specific things in your life that he wants to be at work in for you to do. Notice, he's prepared beforehand for us, for us to do. God expects us to do something with what he's given us. He, despe- he expects us to do something with what he has given us. It's important We're not just called to sit here. All right, thank you, Pastor. I'm good now. I'll see you next week. Do something, all right? While you're not here, do something, all right? That's what we are called to do. The general good work that we are all called to do is witness to others who we were before Christ and what God has done in our life ever since. That is the ultimate work. That is a soul reformation that is happening on the inside. That is an important work that we all must do. But then there's the general work. I mean the specific work then. And that's you. When God works in you, your prayer should be, Lord, how can you do, how can I be at work? Do a good work in me so I can be and do a better work your work as a spouse, as a friend, as my in my job. Those are all wherever you are, your school, your home, your neighborhood, your city, the nation. We all do stuff all the time and all we do should be a response to all God has done. And so when you turn in that report that you know was dumb, all right, You when you turn in that project that you know the teacher just gave you that busy work, you did it anyways with joy. You might saying, listen, I didn't do it because I enjoy you. I just got too much joy from Jesus. Here you go. All right. There it is. All right. It's your attitude. It's your actions. It's the way you carry yourself. It's the way you carry yourself in all these things and all that you do, whether you eat or drink or this or that or whatever you do, you do it for God's glory to showcase. Guys. Look what he's doing in my life. And he needs to do it in yours. And he can if he can do it in me, he can do it in you. That's what we are called to do. God has saved us from something and for something. And all that we do should be a grateful response to all God has done. Now let me ask you a question as we're wrapping up. Imagine some of you maybe have this moment. Some of you might have had these moments when you were, something happened in your life and you knew, this could be it. Maybe, you know, it just, if that hasn't happened to you, put yourself in that position. Put yourself in a position where you're in the hospital, and if you don't get that transplant tonight, you're not going to wake up tomorrow. Put yourself in that position. Just imagine, imagine that. Imagine that you are just, I don't know, something is, is happening in your life, and you are about to die. And then something happens that gives you a second chance to live. Just imagine that. You were at the brink of death, and then you had a near-death experience. Something happened that now you knew, my time is up. Life flashed before your eyes, all those things, right? And you knew that was it. Just put yourself, imagine if you've never had that. Imagine if you, at the point of dying, and then something happened, someone did something that gave you a second chance to live. Can I ask you a question? How would you live? Would you live differently? Well, you'd expect to, right? You'd live differently to realize, oh my gosh, I almost died. That could have been it. And you start thinking all the things that you should have done and could have done. But now when you got that second chance, you're going to like, no, I'm, I'm not going to waste this one, right? That, that's what we all would do naturally. That is what Jesus has done for you. That is what Jesus has done for you. When you were on the table dead and dying in your sins and Jesus gave his life so that you could have life so what are we doing with that life guys if he has given us a second chance to live shouldn't we should live right let's live let us take that realizing man if it wasn't for God if God did not interrupt human history I would be history. If he didn't do what he did, I would not, could not be here. I am telling you for me, if God didn't interrupt my life, if he didn't break me, if he didn't interrupt my life in the way that he did, I would not be here. I would not. I would not be where I am, and I would not be where I'm going. It is because of him in my life. And it's the same for us. If God has given us this life, if he's done all these things, then let us be a people who do. Let us be a people, not just who point fingers, but let us point out a finger and lend a hand. Let us do, let God work in us and through us. And the more, by the way, that we apply and do, the more he works in us. And then the more he works through us. God has made us different so that we can make a difference. It doesn't matter how big or small. Listen, there's one piece of artwork and one simple stroke, it adds up. And so that's what we need to do is remember always. That's what being grounded is all about, guys. That is what repenting in our sins is all about. That's what being grounded is. It's remembering who we used to be without Christ and being humble. It's then reflecting on who we would have been without Christ. Think about that. And then that should lead us to be grateful. And then we should rejoice because of who we are in Christ. That should lead us to be joyful because we have a different father. We have a new father. It's our heavenly father. We have a new nature now. We have new desires. We have a new destination. We have a new destiny. We have a new purpose. We have a new life. And because of this gift that God has given us, we need to respond with that gift. Give that gift away. Give a gift back to God in praise and give that gift of that life in us to others respond in praise and in purpose that's what we are called to do so guys i want to lead you and i want you to just as we wrap up i want you to just reflect on this right now i'm gonna talk to the church first let's pray lord i want to thank you so much let's just take a minute lord it is so easy for us with with life and changes and things that it's so easy to get caught up in the new God forgive us because especially in a culture like ours the way we live in and the way the world is working 2022 20, 20 whatever one we are at God we're, we we are a bored people. We're constantly looking for what's new, constantly looking for what's next, which is great. But Lord may we not grow bored and tired of what you've done. Lord may we never lose sight of who we were before you. May we never lose sight of what we would have and could have been and where we could have ended up without you. But God, may we continually, every single day, when we open up our eyes, may we open up our mouth and give you praise for a, not just a new day, but praise for the new work that you are doing. Praise you for the new life that you have given us. Praise us for that new nature that is inside of us that you are calling and working to develop in us. That we may praise you for the new destination and destiny that you have given us. God, we thank you for that. And I pray right now in Jesus' name for all of us, for your church to be, to remember who we used to be, but yet who we are now because, who are we now because of what you have done, Jesus? And I pray for your church right now, anybody who has forgotten that. Lord, if, if, if anybody here, if you know that God was at work in you and it was looking good, but the work has been suspended because you have fallen back into the other nature. You have reverted back to that old self. You've reverted back to old ways, old ways of thinking, old habits, old emotions, old patterns. And now what was a masterpiece in the making looks like a hot mess again. I wanna tell you right now that no matter, if you have placed your trust and confidence in Jesus, the signature of his life is written in blood and there is nothing that can undo that it is still there it is still there and so i want to challenge you right now if you have found yourself like we've been talking about in unrepentant sin in repetitive sin that god once freed you from he freed you from and now you're back at it again I want you to be grateful for the fact that his arms are still open, his love is still extending, his mercy is still there, and he is not counting your last act of sin to have the final say because of what Jesus did, his work, what he did on the cross has the final word. And so I want you right now to return back to Christ and say, Lord, thank you for your love. Continue to work in me, God, in me and through me right now. Thank God, praise him for the gift that is the most beautiful, undeserving gift that you do not deserve. Yet he did it because of his great love and mercy and kindness, regardless of the kind of person you've become. And then for everybody, whether online or here as well, like we started a minute ago, for Christians, a true believer in Christ is called on Jesus. Our dead condition is past tense. It is no longer But if you've never put your trust and confidence with Jesus, that's your present tense. That is who you are now. And that is your future tense. That is who you will be. Unless you realize God has done something. He has laid out the promise of salvation before you, but you have to claim it. And you claim it when you call on the name of Jesus. And so I want to lead you right now. It is as simple as just calling on his name. And if you don't know what to say, it is as simple as God thank you for dying for my sins. I believe Jesus is the son of God and he died for my faults and I am not perfect. So I ask you, Jesus, forgive me of my sins and fill me with your spirit, Lord, so that I can find life and follow you just call on the name of Jesus right now and if you're online just let me know and you type that in so we can encourage you we are praying for you right now and everybody here this place if you are if that's you all you have to do is call on his name call on his name we are praying for you right now there is nothing God. there's nothing you can do unless God first does something in you and all you do is just allow him to and you do it by faith and say God I believe God, in Jesus' name, I thank you because I know you are at work in this world. You are at work in our lives. You are at work in everybody who is listening and here this morning. And, God, I know. And I'm grateful for the day, God, when we get to not only praise you for that day when the whole picture comes into view and we get to see what you've been doing. But, Lord, may we not wait till heaven to give you all that praise. God, may we do that now. May we do that now because of the purpose that you've given us. Guys, I want you to pray that now and say, Lord, work in me and work through me. Let that be your prayer today. Can I get somebody to pray that with me online? Pray with me. Say, Jesus, work in me and work through me. God, may you receive and continue to receive all of the praise, all of the glory, because you are answering that prayer right now now. And we pray these things and declare with all joy and gratitude and gratefulness because who we used to be is no longer our present tense. That's now in the past. We have a new present and we have a new future because of what we have in you, Jesus. In your name we pray and in your name we declare in the name that is only, the name above all names, the only name that can give us life, Jesus himself. Amen. And if you believe and you're grateful for what God is doing, say amen with me and praise God for that work that he's doing in you and through you, that he is doing it. Amen and amen. Come on, let's praise God for that and what he has done. The kind of revolutionaries that God is looking for are those that revolve their life around their identity in Christ, remembering who they used to be without God, remembering who they would be if it wasn't for God and remembering what he has done for them. Revolving around that, it is all because of what God has done that now inspires us to do. And I want to challenge you. All that you do should be in response to all Jesus has done. He has saved us from something, from himself, from his wrath. But then he has also now saved us for something, for himself, for his glory, and for our good. And guys I want to make sure that you I just want to challenge you to keep pursuing that and don't look light and don't ignore this gift that God has given you enjoy it every single day and give this gift away it's not just for you it is for others so that others can experience and can others can share the same story that man Who I am today is not where I'd want to be, but who I am is not who I used to be, because Jesus has done something. He has made a difference in my life, and now I want to make a difference.